Welcome to the Raptor Show on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. A reminder, we are streaming live on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, Monday to Friday between 2 and 3 p.m. throughout the NBA playoffs. I'm your host, Will Lou. Alex is uh, taking his mandatory rest day. We have to keep him on load management. And uh, so, filling in, in the meantime, we got some uh, special guests. And I'm joined in the first segment by Sportsnet's very own Amy Otterberg, Rookie of the Year. Amy, how you doing? Oh, thank you. What is this load? This is the time when you go hard. The yeah. load management goes out the window, okay? I cannot believe Alex did this to me again. Like, at this point in the season, too, right? Thanks, yeah. buddy. I'm just kidding. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You know, um, yeah. you know, the weather's great. We got some lunch on the yeah. way to the office. Got a hard day of work between 2 and 3 p.m. And then I'll probably go play some basketball in the park. It's actually a, a really charmed existence that we lead uh, at this current moment. Actually, Amy, before we... So, what I wanted to do today was to look at a couple players on the roster and to, to sort of, like, wrap up the season uh, about them and to make some compliment sandwiches. You know what a compliment sandwich okay. is? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's the only way to go, Will. It's the only way to go. Exactly. You know, exactly. Not, every, not, everybody, not everybody gets to work one hour a day and go play hoops in the sun, okay? There are yeah. a lot of people that are listening that work very, very hard and they need to hear, they need to eat the compliment sandwich, okay? Yeah, fair enough. But listen, before we get to these compliment <laughs> sandwiches, I actually want to get your thoughts because there was a bit of breaking news yesterday, uh, Shams Rani reporting that um, the Lakers uh, will request permission to speak to Raptors assistant coach Adrian Griffin in, in regards to their head coaching vacancy. I know that uh, you and I were both at Masai's press conference on Tuesday where um, he, he literally laughed at the idea of them potentially trying to get Nick Nurse. Um, however, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on even just perhaps the Lakers' persistence on this front. The Lakers seem to really, really like what's happening in Toronto. It doesn't surprise me at all. In fact, I went from the press conference to uh, take something else where Paul Jones, Jonesy, we were chatting about it, and I, we were both kind of like, Adrian, AG's going to get a call soon. I mean, he should have probably already gotten it. He's a tre- tremendous coach. And uh, he's been, I, I've absolutely adored our time, our small chats that we've had during the season. He, uh, from what I can see and understand, he's like the defensive mind. Mm-hmm. And well, when you look at what the Raptors, who they are defensively, uh, he deserves it. And I mean, of course, selfishly, it's easy for all of us to say, oh, how dare they come in and <laughs> try to take him. But this is, the, this is when you have to really separate the whole business from personal, right? Yeah. Um, this, is, this would be incredible for him. I, I think so anyways, right? And, the, and if he is getting the phone calls, um, he's certainly deserving of them. So I wasn't surprised to see it. Um, and this is, as a head coach, that's your big, I, I would believe, I've never been a head coach of an NBA team, but I believe that would be a huge compliment. Mm-hmm. When the jobs come up and they come to some of your front bench top assistant guys and say, hey, um, we'd like you, we'd like to talk to you about leading our, our organization. And so I wasn't surprised to see it at all. And uh, whatever turns out, I, I think I think it kind of goes in line with the compliment sandwiches. I'm not going to let that one go. But for me, I'm just kind of a believer in things happen as the way they should. And I believe in divine timing. And if AG gets a call and you know, it's up to him and his family and, and, and his decision. Mm-hmm. And I would support it either way because I have nothing but respect for him. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for people who don't um, aren't as familiar with Adrian Griffin and just sort of like his career and his trajectory, I mean, it's it's. I think there was an open gym episode about him this year, and it was really eye-opening. I, uh, you know, I didn't realize, like, um, 
the, the the path that he had to take as an undrafted player. I mean, even just open up his Wikipedia page, he played for the Long Island Surf, the Connecticut Pride, Atlantic City Seagulls. You know, like it, it's these are some <laughs> random franchises in some random leagues before he was able to carve out a career starting with the Celtics and he played 10 years. You know, not surprised that he's a, you know, defensively oriented as a coach considering the fact that he was, you know, known as a stopper in the league as well. And then even as a head coach or even as just in his coaching career, he hasn't been a head coach yet, but assistant with the Bucks, assistant with Chicago, assistant with Miami or the Magic, assistant with the Thunder, and then, of course, uh, with the Raptors since 2018. And, uh, you know, we've seen Nick give him a lot of opportunities to sort of, you know, uh, take a game here or there to get that head coaching experience. I know for Nick, he's always spoken about the importance of developing his staff in addition to developing his players. And um, it would be really cool if Griff got this opportunity. Um, I think, honestly, even the fact that the Lakers are looking in this direction is 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 a sign of good things for the Lakers because, like, it, it shows you're really paying attention. Like, this is, you know, Griff is not like, the, you know, if you hire Adrian Griffin, it's not like, oh, you won the press conference, right? It's like you brought in this big name, you know? But I think it he has this track record of being a hard worker who's grinded his way to this position and uh yeah i mean it, it's, it's a little different obviously when we're talking about them potentially poaching nick because it's like what are you doing he's under contract he's with the raptors he's you know he's already got a head coaching opportunity but uh if they take griff i think honestly like that's that's a huge honor t- for him and um you know i honestly i wish him the best of luck whether he gets it or not you know yeah, I guess it's win-win for, for all of us up here, right? Because we're like, listen, we're happy for him if he goes, if he, if it happens, if it doesn't, mm-hmm. hey, I'm hoping he's back with the Raptors, and that's not a terrible thing either. So, yeah. well, whatever happens, I, I, um, I figured a long time ago, I, it, the coaching industry is a tough one to dive into to really understand it and really, to, you know, not be in a lot of these conversation meetings. It's it's a tough one. So I kind of like the side I'm on. <laughs> right, for sure, and and you know what. For the Raptors too, it's like it's a it's a good thing for your organization because like you've seen in the last two years, right? We saw Nate Bjorgren go to Indiana. Of course, that really ended not great. Um, so he's back with the Raptors, but ultimately, you know, he got that promotion to being a head coach. And we saw Chris Finch last season um, leave the team midway through the year for the opportunity in Minnesota, and he's done really well with Minnesota getting into the playoffs. And quite frankly, they could have honestly got into the second round if they just made less mistakes as a younger team. And and if they take Griff this year, it's just like again. I just think there's um, there's a lot of good things happening here, and I think that's why teams keep calling about the Raptors. Um, and so, let's talk about those compliment sandwiches. Let's go ahead and make those sandwiches. I'm, I'm you know what I'm envisioning is that commercial that you see all the time on the Raptors broadcast. You know what I'm the one I'm talking <laughs> about, where they make sandwiches. Um, oh, the the peanut butter sandwiches. Yeah, the one where Gary Trent Jr. <laughs> yeah, is, legit. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, they bring on the duos. They're awesome. Mm. Those are the best. Yeah, let's... <laughs> it's like so, marketing 101. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah, I mean, before that, it was the Champ Witch with, uh, with Pascal and Fred, obviously. So, um, let, let, yeah, let's just can sort of continue this. And so, for people to understand, obviously, compliment sandwiches, you're going to have two pieces of bread, which is the, 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 the compliments. And then in the middle, I guess in, in this way, the meat or the cheese or whatever, um, this would be the... One little bit of critique that I think that they can sort of take with them for for the offseason. And let's, let's start at the very top. Let's start with Pascal Siakam. So, Amy, what I want you to do is I want you to give one piece of bread. You're going to give one piece of meat in the middle. And then I'll finish up the sandwich with another compliment. So I wanted to hear, like, one thing Pascal's done really well this year, in your opinion. One thing that he can continue to improve on. And then I'll, I'll finish it off. Oh, 
Oof, okay. Well, the one thing he did well, he did a lot of things really well, and that's the point, right? I think there were times where Pascal solidified himself, especially when Fred was not able to play. You can put the ball in his hands, and he can get something done. I think that that was the, how many times did he just break down somebody one-on-one? Mm-hmm. That doesn't even mean he scored himself. He made a great pass. His timing was there. Like, that was, I thought, I, I just felt like the confidence Okay, so let's keep it simple. Um, the one thing he can work on, I would say, and this is no secret, is three-point shooting. Nick Nurse said, and not percentage-wise, but just taking it. Because Nick Nurse said even, you know, when Pascal hits, usually it's like three threes a game. That's the difference between his 20 to his 30-point game. That's nine points right there. Mm-hmm. So I think, and it's not that I mean, he's a, he can shoot a three. I think it's more just like confidence and getting up reps and getting up reps. So I just think that, um, does that, does that sound acceptable for you? No, I think that's I think that's great. I think that's okay. exactly what okay. I what I've gone with. Is this with what as well. we're doing? <laughs> no, is this, this is what we're doing. Okay. okay. Yeah, well, look, listen, it's off season. You know, everyone's chilling. I'm, I'm sure Pascal's probably like I don't know somewhere in Mexico, just enjoying the sunshine so. with a pair of sunglasses on, maybe on a boat somewhere in the water is like so. turquoise. And uh, meanwhile, we're just making sandwiches. Um, but awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's almost the same. I, I do get to play basketball in about 40 minutes. But um, yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you know the scoring. Absolutely, he's. I mean, it, it's really fun to watch him. Like, even in the playoff setting, I thought, like, Tobias Harris played him so physical. Um, apparently, hand-checking is just allowed again. But that's okay. Like, he played him physical, which you what, expect in the playoffs. And then, of course, you got Embiid lurking in the paint all the time. And even when you go back and watch, like, you know, uh, game four, which was, I think, Pascal's best performance um, in this year's playoff run for sure, where he had 35, like, the the, the buckets that he was making, the the ability to get to the line, like, he just broke down a defense over and over again. And even the game after in game five where the Raptors won, you know, he was also taking a lot of tough shots for the team, but also hitting these tough jumpers. And it's like, this is like the entire defense is being thrown. They're throwing the whole book at you. It's game five of that series. They're already game planning you to a certain degree. And, you know, they have all your tendencies scouted and everything like that. And he's still scoring. And that to me was like very eye-opening. Like I hadn't seen that from Pascal in a playoff setting up until this year. And, um, you know, that's truly impressive. And, and you're right. If he adds the three-point shot, like, we're easily looking at a situation where he can get into, like, averaging 25, 26, 27 points. Like, that's not even – like, are you – you know, we've, we've seen, obviously, every game of Pascal's um, season, uh, this season. It's like, were you ever surprised when Pascal st- scored 27? It felt like just regular for him, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I would – yes, and I would say this, averaging those numbers on a good team. That's, yeah. to me, the key, right? Like, averaging those numbers alongside other – players who are also putting up big numbers but yes uh he had some performances where he you almost just expect it and it's not really I, and it's not really fair to ever say that to any player in the nba you're expected to drop 25 to 30 a night because it's really hard to do yeah, <laughs> like it's really hard to do but that's where that's where he kind of like solidified that status this year i thought and mm. uh yeah like i just yes complete package just fantastic year i'm looking i i want these all nba teams to come out because I mean, if you talk to anybody up here, I don't think there's too many people that don't think he's not deserving to have his name on one of those. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, to, to to finish up this compliment sandwich, I Pascal Siakam, I'm going to say that uh, I was really impressed with his um, playmaking ability. Even just like, you know, second half of the season, like Fred was out for a lot of it. And when he came back, he wasn't 100%. And it was like Pascal had to take on that role of being a point guard for like most of these games and he did an amazing job. You know, I thought he, for a guy who isn't a traditional point guard, kept his turnovers low for a guy who drove into the, you know, into the paint quite often, you know, it's easy to get stripped in that situation, but 
he did a good job of sort of like um, just making sure the offense ran well. Like the Raptors would get into their sets, um, you know, he would they would get a good shot, and a lot of that started and ended with Pascal. So uh, I really want to compliment his his playmaking and just in general. Like I think that's probably. I don't know, Amy, do you, do you see that as the next progression in his game, like basically being that like point forward full time? Yeah, because I think when he did have those opportunities, he was pretty freaking solid in it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, why, w- why wouldn't that, especially when, again, some other pieces that are continuing to build around him and stuff, if he is the focal point, but then he's also at times deferring to other guys that are <laughs> said rookie of the years or said all-stars. It's, not, it's, it's pretty exciting, isn't it, about what he could be. And I'm just going to add a one more little layer. We're going to okay. make it a compliment club because I think we need, do need to ride on the Pascal sandwich right now. Okay. I just want to also add, I, <laughs> thank you. Um, I was also just, and this was my first year with the team, I was, I'm not going to, I don't want to say surprised, but I was just so, uh, it was so pleasant dealing with him. Mm. And, okay. and I know that not every team can say that about all their guys. Uh, I can, I, but I would say this, you, you saw it, and anyone who watched press conferences thought Pascal came on, he always had a good attitude, he, a very positive attitude. He always spoke respectfully with the media, even when things weren't going well or he was answering questions that were difficult. Mm-hmm. I was just so, I was so impressed with that side of him because I, I never had, I've never covered him before, and you just don't know, right? Like, we all have a job to do, we're all going to show up and do our best. But, uh, and I just want to make sure that that point's made too, that doesn't go unnoticed by myself or I'd like to think anyone. I mean, even just like his just demeanor at times, very cool, very collected. How about after game, was it game three when you kind of started hearing the chatter mm-hmm. and he came into the press conference and was, was just basically like, all right, next game, let's go. And he had that monster game four. And I was just yeah. like, personally, just such a, I'm a fan of him personally. Um, but then just because of the way he carries himself off the court and that is top down, like that is leadership. When Fred is not on the court or Fred is not, you know, he's taking care of himself. Pascal is that guy. Mm-hmm. And so for him to kind of come in and set that tone with this younger or less experienced team that you could say one month ago, right? I thought that was so important um, just in terms of laying foundation. And I just wanted to make sure that that was added into this conversation. There you go. All right. We've invented the, the compliment club. This is nice. All right. Um, <laughs> moving on to Fred Van Vliet. Want to hear one thing that really impressed you about Fred this year. One thing he continued to work on. And then I'll wrap it up with uh, one more compliment. So go ahead. Okay. Uh, impress the leadership in, in terms of the total package. I remember okay. many, many conversations at the beginning of the season when he was very like, it's going to look pretty sometimes, sometimes it's not. And I don't know if you feel the same way, but I really do feel in the first couple weeks of the season, he was deferring. He was, And not saying, like, I don't want to take over, but saying like, hey, we got a lottery pick. Hey, we've got mm-hmm. a lot of new faces. Hey, we've got... So he was passing or he was trying to set other guys up a lot. And that's really hard to do at the beginning of the season, especially when no one thinks you're going to be that great. And you actually believe you could be good. But it was the Washington game. I keep going back to the San oh, yeah. like, fine. But that was, to me, that's when Fred said, all right, we, I got to win this game. Mm-hmm. You know? And, but I just think just the way his, he just handled this whole season was uh, as a leader, and especially as a leader who probably didn't feel – super healthy, especially towards the back half. Um, that was impressive. It had nothing to do with um, a ball and a hoop, but just like uh, the character of who he is. Uh, I thought that that was super impressive because this was not, this was not just returning to the same old role for Fred. He was going to be playing a different role with Kyle moving on. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I thought he did it pretty in, in a pretty awesome manner. Um, something to work on. Geez, I mean, with Fred, this is where I'm really excited actually because you heard his post game or his post his lock clean out conversation. He's like, yeah, I'm going to get in the gym and work on some stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure. I mean, I think with Fred, it's always a challenge finishing inside because of his size, yep. because of the fact that he takes so much contact. He really does. He, he gets hit. He gets hit a lot, and I think it's because he gets under guys and he's stronger than them that maybe sometimes he's not – it doesn't look like he's getting it, but he is. Um, so I just think he's going to continue to find – like his finishing package is just going to continue to grow, and he's going to evolve in that in that column. Yeah. No, that's – I think that's always been the challenge for Fred at this level. I mean, he clearly can finish. I think there's like a distinction between like um, – his size makes it an uphill battle versus like his skill. Cause I think his skill is what allows him to actually be successful as, as an offensive player, because he's so clearly has so many finishes in his bag, you know, left hand, right hand, reverse finishes, the English off the glass, all that kind of stuff. But it's like, you know, the size of it is just, it's difficult for him to overcome. And I think sometimes, you know, you wonder if he can get some of those other kinds of finishes, like the floaters, the mid range jumpers, or, you know, all the little stuff that guards are able to use to sort of still be successful. I mean, you watch a guy like Chris Paul, like, I mean, man, yeah. Chris Paul, <laughs> holy, every night I'm like, oh, my God. Tomorrow? Way- is it 37 tomorrow, I think? I, I can't tell, man. He looks yeah. maybe 27 just because of the fact that he's yeah. like able to conserve his energy. And then fourth quarter, he just hits every single shot and every single read. And I think that, you know, I mean, you could probably say every point guard should model themselves after after what Chris Paul does. But I think, you know, Fred can definitely take a couple elements just from Chris in terms of like, you know, Chris is not getting to the rim that much, but he's so efficient in the mid-range game and the way he's able to get it off. And, you know, you, you would like to see a little bit of that in Fred as well. And I think he has the ability to do so. I think the last thing I'm going to say in terms of with Fred is just, like, as a compliment, I mean, he was an elite shooter this year. Like, you know, obviously before the injury at the All-Star break, he was shooting 40% from three, and he had made more threes than everybody in the league other than Steph Curry. Yeah, yeah, come on. (laughs) Holy, like, it was every game he would come in and hit, like, five, six threes. It was incredible. Um, So I think just, like, you know, uh, you have to recognize when a a player like that um, is able to expand his skill set. The Raptors obviously had limited catch-and-shoot options, but, you know, Fred was, like, basically one half of the team's catch-and-shoot offense. And I think so long as he's healthy, we know that that range, we see him work, you know, before the game, one of his – well, warm-up rituals is to like take these like logo threes and yeah he does that with like alarming uh accuracy which is kind of incredible to watch so well and, and can i just give you a quick little story that's never made air okay, um, no, I I, this, uh, yeah. well just do you remember when when fred said that's one of the things i love about nick nurse is one day he kind of just in the in the gym walked past me and said you better start shooting 30 footers and he was like, are you going to let me do it? You know, and uh-huh. so I, I was fortunate to, to talk to, to, to coach just quickly one-on-one. And I was like, do you remember that? And he started laughing. He was like, this is, this is, how, this is how head coaches are, right? He's like, yeah, I think it was after game one in the Orlando series a couple years back where mm. he got blocked three times in the corner. And I'm like sitting there like, awesome. But uh, he's like, yeah. He was like, yeah, man, we, 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 we talked to him and we said, hey, we, we, we need you to get those shots off. And, uh, and he said, he was just saying, you know, he got he literally that day, just got in the gym and just kept doing it and kept doing it. And I, so well, how do you teach? Like, how do you, how do you teach? it? He's like, it's feel. Mm. He just, 
he understands the, the like trajectory and his body and what he has to do and where he has to get all those little things. But Fred just got in the gym and figured it out. Yeah. And it was literally like later in that playoff run that. Yeah, the Milwaukee he, like, series. <laughs> yeah. So like you have to think <laughs> this like, guy is like range, <laughs> but it's just because how much work there's like yeah. this, I think it's like 20, 20 I want to say 20,000 reps before something becomes mu- muscle memory at full speed or there's Jeez. some, there's a number. Yeah. It's a crazy number. So, but don't, don't write that one down, but it's a lot. And you got to think how many reps in the middle of a playoff run he got up yeah. to see that type of like improve or like number improvement. So anyways, there's my little sidekick for you. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the, he also had a baby during that stretch too. I mean, <laughs> I think a lot of things were probably pulling him away. I don't know if he slept during that, that time, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think Crazy. Fred's three point shooting. All right. We got to go a little faster with the last three here at the starting five, Gary Trent jr. Let me hear your thoughts. <laughs> okay. So Gary uh, don't forget, Gary came in this year playing behind Dame and playing behind CJ McCollum. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, uh, yes, he had the half of Tampa, but uh, I think Gary just rising up to the challenge. If you notice, my first compliments are always like not necessarily about a ball in the hoop because uh, these are professional athletes who it's so much of, of it is above the head in their everyday lives. So I will say that about Gary is just like stepping up to the challenge. And I just love the fact that his demeanor is literally like, we just have to show up and play. I have to show up and play. It's like every possession, he just gets after it. Yeah. Um, and that was really impressive, uh, impressive of me, uh, or of him, sorry. The thing that I would say, like, for him is just continuing to, I would say, the mid-range, right? I thought it became pretty automatic, but they would say, like, the catch and shoot versus the threes off the dribble. Mm. And then, obviously, just the quick feet down and one-two pop-up kind of thing because um, he's just a fantastic scorer. And he, he doesn't like when you say you're a shooter. You know, Gary, you're a shooter. He says, no, I'm a scorer. Yeah. And I think that's like what I would say is just continuing to build that because we saw it at home. Um, a lot of times in Scotia Bank where he just kind of takes over games, right? He was in the first half to start game six. I hate bringing it up. In his oh, yeah. Season, he, he, you remember? he was yeah. him and Chris together were just oh, like really yeah. holding it down. Yeah. And, and how about at, in, in uh, Minnesota? What he got a tech before the ball even tipped against oh, Patrick Beverly. Right. And I was sitting there and I'm oh, telling yeah. you, Lou, like, I was sitting beside Tristan Forbes and we just laughed. You're like, oh, yeah, he's dropping 40 tonight. Like, that's, say, that's, that's scary. Home and you're like, too. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. No, it was. I So I guess just like this whole like he's just like a guy that you want on your team because he's just this elite competitor. But he's also a very good basketball player. So I would say his offensive game just continuing to. Um, just build the, that, all that stuff. And mm-hmm. I love to see the mid-range so solid with him. Because I, I do see him, and I might be crazy, but I do see him as like as a guy that can be, you know, DeMar's like this mid-range or how many mid-range guys. I'd love to see Gary in that conversation. Yeah, I mean, man, him coming off a screen, going driving left, and yeah. then stepping back in that elbow area. Yeah. It doesn't even matter if he's contested. He just has that thing down um, yeah. to a science. Like, I'm, I'm convinced if you blindfold him, I think he can knock down a fair share of uh, those mid-range jumpers going left. Um, I think for me, the last thing with him is just like, I just want to acknowledge that he, he really became a good defensive player this season. I know towards the end of the playoffs, like yeah. they were still picking on him and that's fine. What what happens when the rest of the team is six foot eight is that they will find one guy who is not six foot eight and try to go at him. But I think ultimately he did make a lot of strides defensively. And I think one thing you forgot about Gary is just like, I, you know, he's only like 23. Like he's going to continue yeah. to improve in that front. And I think he's taken a really, really good step this year. And it's about continuing to keep that going. And, and even if the deflections and the steals aren't always there, like being positionally solid and, and, and competing the way he does on the offensive end, because I think he can be a really, really good defender, and he's shown that this season. All right, what about OG and Anobi? 
Oh, it's, OG's a tough one because we just didn't see him as much as I think anyone wanted to, right? Okay. But when we when we did, I thought, okay, so first of all, he just I go back to that game in the Garden on November 1st when he dropped, yeah. I think it was 34 or 36, and it was like just, oh, OG's so darn solid on both sides of the ball. I would say the thing that I was like the most impressive is I think he's worked incredibly hard on his uh, perimeter shooting, his three-point shooting. Yeah, and it's gone and, really and, and good. And it, yeah, yeah, it looks like he's got a beautiful shot. I love it. You think my favorite event is the slam dunk contest, and also it's not. My favorite thing is the three point shooting. There's something that you just love as a watching guy, just like or women or whoever it is who's shooting the ball. Beautiful shot. And mm-hmm. OG has a beautiful shot. Okay, so that was the thing. Just for improving again, like I just think for OG, just like stay. And this is not, this is not his fault because all these things were just so freak accident stuff, but I just want him to stay healthy because yeah. I want to see a complete OG package. I was just talking to one of my friends who um, works for another broadcast team in the NBA. And we were just talking about, you know, we, we basically have three guys that could be right now. And four, if you put Scotty and, and the first thing he said was OG, like people love, they know, they see the potential in him and it's just now just seeing it for the, for the full season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and to me, it's just like, that consistency, I really do want to see it because I think for him, it's like you can tell he wants to improve his game. You can tell he has improved his game. Like, I think he is more than a 3 and D player, even though he plays the Absolutely. 3 and D role so well. Um, but it's just the consistency. And, um, you know, he had, strong. He, he had such a he's weird strong. season. He's also incredibly yeah, remember, strong. Yeah, he's right. strong. Remember when he flipped? Who did he flip last year in the bubble? And I was just, uh, I Dennis remember Schroeder? I was at home. He just, <laughs> was that, he yeah, just flipped him. Like, he just flipped a grown man. <laughs> I don't think it was, it wasn't even like an intentional thing. It was just like how it happened or whatever. But you know what I mean? The thing about OG is, yeah, he's got a great outside shot. He's so explosive and he's so strong. So this is like, when you talk about a guy like Pascal, who's such a tough one-on-one matchup, OG is an incredibly tough one-on-one matchup. They walk in the gym. They don't move the same. They don't look the same. They both are just, especially because he's added that outside shot now, like OG is going to be able to like get it up, get his shoulder in back somebody down like that's just i mean again we just haven't seen the full potential he was not healthy this year for a lot on freak accident things so it's yeah. not on him but i did I, you know i did like his confidence though he, he was willing to take yeah. all a lot of these shots and one guys i mean like this is more earlier in the season when pascal was out and you know scotty was still finding his way and all this other stuff is like he was willing to take a lot of these shots and and i think it's just like can he maintain that over the course of a game also, like when everyone's healthy and everyone's available, it's like there's so many guys on the Raptors who can get a shot. It's like hard to find your turn, but that's that's what you have to do in the Nick Nurse offense. Like I, I don't think Nick is like calling a play down each time down. Like that's not how this thing runs. And I think for OG, it's about knowing when to like, you know, take your opportunities. And I think he did a good job of that. And they just want to see more of it and really is just get healthy. All right, last one. Scotty Barnes, rookie of the year. The co-rookie of the year, actually, along with Amy, of course. But um Stop it. No, we, do not. Please do not. I, I am not. I don't want to have any Twitter problems this week. Stop doing that, okay? <laughs> no, it's all, it's all good. Unless um, unless you tweet us something about Pascal Siakam and Joel Embiid uh, to a 6 oh I, I think you'll be okay. Oh, by oh the way, gosh, Sixers fans, like, thinking. stop crying. Like, my God. Like, yeah, have some shame. Like, enough. It's sports. <laughs> Injuries happen. It was not a dirty play. It's a basketball play. It was reviewed, like, three times in the thing. I know. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, we get it. Okay, it sucks to lose MB. Guess what? You're going to lose to the Heat anyway. You're not going to win a championship with this roster as is. And also, like, you're really, like, flagrantly going after a guy. And by the way, I've seen some of the threats. Like, it genuinely makes me afraid of what's going to happen when Pascal goes back to Philadelphia, the amount of hatred that is 
just in that city, but especially directed towards Pascal right now, you don't you don't understand the person you're hating on right now, man. Pascal is like one of the genuine like sweetest people in the league, and I know I, I, I know yeah. it sucks to suffer an injury. It does suck, but it's like. Come on, like you, it's also been a week later, and people are like just out, and like not even just like regular fans, like media people, and like people with giant oh, followings are just been like, you know what, like I, I hate Pascal Siakam, like the, I'm blaming all my life's problems on Pascal Siakam. Like, come on. Anyway, uh, this is just a sidebar, yeah. but Twitter has been unusable yeah. <laughs> the last like two our weeks. Show, uh, well, our show is going so smooth. What did you just do? <laughs> you're right. You're right, Scotty Barnes. Let's go. Let's let's come on. Let's bring the vibes, Scotty. Scotty, what I was most impressed with, honestly, his energy, and that's what I will say this for the rest of my life, because I consider myself very lucky and blessed to have been able to cover Scotty Barnes for his Rookie of the Year campaign, okay? Mm. If you love the game and you got to experience him in the ways that so very few of us did, it was really special. I will never forget just those first couple weeks, he was just up and down, up and down, running and getting after it, and I really do believe it, it got a lot of other teams or other players on their heels a bit because it's the NBA and you can't do this all the time. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like that yeah. was kind of the, you, and, but he just didn't, I'll never forget the game at the garden TD garden. He, he, he quieted that whole thing, that whole place down the second. Oh, there, half. There were, that was one of the Celtics most, fans were booing their own players in their home opener. Scotty just came. I remember the first yeah. the first half was everywhere. We they were getting yelled at because of how Kyle left them, and then by the second half it was quiet. And I was sitting there, and I'm like courtside seat in the TD Gardens, like right on the court, very close to the court. I'll never forget that. Yeah. So just his energy was the thing that I think I was just most impressed with, and like his attitude and just approach to life is kind of refreshing to be around. Um, what he has, what he has to work on. So I would say this: he come off a rookie campaign and. I don't know what the expectation is for him because his bar is already so high. And I hope he's taking a break. He needs it. He mm. deserves it. He should not be thinking about this right now. But we all know he shot 30% from three yeah. and not because I, and he is so he's a good, capable three-point shooter. I was thinking about this morning. I was laughing because remember at Summer League last year when all those Twitter analysts wanted to start talking about, oh, um, he can't shoot the ball. And I remember him hitting a couple shots, like outside shots in Summer League. And all of a sudden, everyone was like, great. You know, well, now it's just like it's getting that shot off consistently, quickly, at a high clip, because if he adds that to his game, and by the way, his second year at the age of 21 years old, I was going to say, oh, I hope he's on the beach with a daiquiri, but I'm like, that's not even legal, so he can be on the beach with whatever he wants. He's not even 21 years old yet. So, yeah, when he he gets that, like, because he was hitting threes. He had some, like, big games towards the end of the season, right, where he put a couple very timely three-point shots down. But when that becomes automatic and especially like in transition get two feet down let that puppy fly i mean come on like i'm just yeah like we are so i think we are as basketball fans people that work in the sport people who just love the sport we are so um incredibly fortunate to to get to watch scotty play absolutely all right last thing i'll say about scotty was just i really loved the way he would take on centers like guys who are bigger than him he would just drive at them we saw it in game six like, this is, that was, it wasn't enough, but it was like he took it at Joel Embiid and scored in him. And it was like early in the season, he would yeah. take on DeMontis Sabonis and like bully him out the way or like Miles Turner, bully him out the way. And just like he did it to Jokic too. And it's like, man, like he really has no fear. Like I, I know he's already physically so dominant as, LeBron. A, even as a rookie. LeBron. He did it to LeBron. LeBron yeah, Will so. in Staples in <laughs> yeah. Center. Stop yeah. it. <laughs> So I, I love that quality about him. Like he's he knows that he is that strong. He he's got, he's got that ability to shoot over the top, and he's not afraid. Like 
There's there's yeah. not one time this season where I looked at Scotty and I was like, oh, he's 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 tentative this this game. Like obviously the skill set needs to continue to improve as you mentioned with the jump shooting, but like the approach is something that you can't really um, replicate. Like he already has tremendous confidence as a rookie. I think that's a big element to uh, him winning rookie of the year. But uh, Amy, we run out of time. Thank you. I hope uh, you are at the beach um somewhere is there like a beach in the niagara region i don't even know i i, I doubt it no <laughs> no i'm pi- i'm covered i'm piled in receipts right now and the whole, and i'm okay. very behind in life and by the way congratulations on your private event thanks oh. for the invite oh i, I was gonna say no seriously no if you want to come through come through seriously okay you know, I got, you know i got extra spots yeah i do you know okay. how much gas is right now uh, damn. Okay, I'll, I'll comp your go, I'll comp your go bus ticket if you want. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate you. Hey, well, you're the, yep. you guys are the greatest. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you soon. All right. right. Likewise. All right, this is a good spot for us to take a break. I'm your host Willu. You've been listening to the Raptor Show on Sportsnet 590, the fan. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and Alish. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on Sports 590. The Fan, I'm your host, Will Lou. Second half of the program, I'm joined by Vivek Jacob of Raptors.com, Big V. Just saw you last night at the Jays game. How you doing, man? It's good, man. That was a, a big win. The city needed it. Oh, my and goodness. And they came through. Yeah, that's all, all Alex kept saying, actually, was uh, the city <laughs> needed it. Just nonstop. And, and, and you know what? Uh, it turned out it was it was all good. You know, um, uh, you know, we had a great time. You know, I, I brought my glove to the game, which I, I, I didn't realize a lot of people would, would scoff at. Why? I thought people did that. Isn't that a normal thing? Bring your glove to the game? I, I just think you were in a position where... The odds of you getting a foul ball were yeah slim to none. Yeah, to, I think that, that that was the funny part of it. Yeah, we were sitting like pretty much directly behind um, the plate, like probably twenty five rows back. So there was a yeah. very very low chance of a foul ball coming that way. But uh, you know that didn't stop me from um, you know trying. You know it was a great time. Anyway, yeah, you were there? doing all you could, man. That superstition uh, at the end of the game with the covering your face with the glove and everything. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, baseball games could be more exciting is my general takeaway <laughs> after going to the game yesterday. But thank you to uh, to, to Alex and obviously to AK for helping to, to set that up. It was actually a really nice time to see you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so first half of the show, we did some compliment sandwiches, which um, you know I, I'm sure you know about. You know, two compliments and a critique in the middle. And uh, we already did the starters, so I'm going to run through probably just four more players on the team. Um, real quick, and then maybe pivot over to uh, just the rest of the playoffs at large. Okay, so Chris Boucher, compliment sandwich. I want you to say one thing that he did well this year, one thing he continued to improve, and then I'll wrap it up with one more compliment. Yeah, so one thing uh, that he did well this year, I I would say, was definitely becoming a big part of the identity in terms of the offensive glass, the energy, um, and... Uh, the defense. I thought the defense improved a lot. He's yeah. a big part of what the Raptors were able to do um, on that end of the floor. Uh, and something he could improve on, I will probably go with uh, the three-point shooting from mm. above the break. And so okay. uh, he was really good from the corners, um, but I think the above-the-break shooting 
Um, if my internet cooperates here for a second, uh, I'm pulling it up. Damn. This guy must be it on was bell. not that great. So uh, he shot 46% on corner threes this season. That's great. Uh, but uh, 22% on the non-corner threes. Hmm. Okay. And so that is something that I think could use some improvement. No, that's that's a no, that's that's great research, and I think um, you know, for me, kind of had the same idea. It's just like, but don't ditch the three point shot. Like I think for him to be at his very best, and honestly for the Raptors to be at their very best, is to like get all these guys to improve their threes. Like I think that's that's the missing element. Like I think um, you know the rest of the things. I totally agree with you. Like the, what Chris does really well is also what the Raptors do really well. Like all of his strengths. It basically he just accentuates everything that the Raptors already want to do, but I think the weaknesses are also quite similar. And I think for him, I was like, he can shoot, man. Like he definitely can shoot. I think you know the the season before that in Tampa, shooting thirty eight percent was really nice. Um, this was actually a career low in terms of percentage for him this season. I think a lot of that had to do with the start of the season when he was looking for a shot a little bit more. When he started taking them more in in within the flow of the offense and in the corners where he's efficient, I think that was good. But just continue to improve the three point shot because like. He's he's is very rare, like what the skill set that he offers this season, and especially now that his defense has really solidified itself. It's uh, uh, honestly like he he's he's the Raptors' number one free agent to resign. You agree, you would agree with that, right? No question about it. He yeah. had, at at one point like he was the most dependable player that you had uh, off the bench, right? Um, yeah, precious like you could argue had greater highs. And, like, when you got the full Precious experience, it was like, whoa, this is incredible. Yeah. But I think in terms of what you could expect on a night-to-night basis, Chris Boucher became that guy. And that's not something you would have uh, envisioned saying coming into this season or especially after the first two months. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a credit to him to stick with it and fight through it. And even Pascal Siakam at his end-of-season presser, when he was asked if there was anyone that he learned from or anyone that he took something away from, the first name he said was Chris Boucher. Mm. And the fact that he was struggling those first two months but never gave up and stuck with it and reinvented himself as a player. And now when you look forward uh, for the Raptors, he's a very important part of what's coming off the bench. Yeah, no, his redemption story is, is incredible. I'm going to add another critique, though, just because, you know, I'm a Chris hater, obviously. This is my brand. <laughs> Yo, the podcast got to come out more often. I can't be waiting, like, three weeks for the podcast. Listen, everyone wants to hear Hustle play. Um, everyone wants to hear what Chris has to say. And I know it was the playoffs, and I understand that, like, you know, obviously the commitments are there. But, hey, listen, man, I saw Draymond doing our React pod. You know what I'm saying? Like, remember when Draymond got ejected and he, like, ran to his hotel room and set up, like, the lighting and got on there and got the podcast out like very very quickly so that's that's my only challenge to chris is just release mm. more episodes people love that show you know so you're saying after game one when he fouls out yes. was it in 15 minutes do a react them, pod straight straight to the react pod <laughs> yes that's <laughs> Talk, what i, that's what I wanted about to hear. the foul calls yeah no I, I trust me i wanted to hear that all right next player precious achua one good thing one negative thing go ahead so the good thing, I mean, the best thing is the defense. Like, yeah, the fact that he can defend virtually any player prototype is incredible. And you saw that in the series itself, mm-hmm. right? Whether yep. it's the size and strength of Joel Embiid, the skill and the craftiness of a James Harden, the quickness of a Tyrese Maxey, 
he was able to hold his own against whoever it was, right? Obviously, yeah. you're going to need help uh, against a guy like Joel Embiid. The, that's pretty much impossible to defend one-on-one, mm-hmm. but he did about as good a job as, as you can expect. Uh, uh, things to improve. I mean, you, you would still say uh, the decision-making uh, can continue to improve, right? The strides that he's made from where he was at the beginning of the season um, to where he is now are significant, mm-hmm. but uh, I think there's still... Uh, more to be had in terms of you know understanding when it's your turn in the offense uh and that type of thing right yeah um i I definitely agree with all of that i think for me the only other thing is you know the decision making has to improve but i also just want to see him continue to like take that confident approach on offense like i still want him to Mm -hmm. explore more of what he has like don't like try to narrow yourself in just yet um, I think eventually the team will sort of get him into a position where you you do some things that are more you know reliable or more consistent. But the way he's able right. to attack the rim, like a, and you know, honestly, like there is there is something real there. Like the fact that he can handle the ball and put it on the ground quickly and then make a really explosive move. Like he is the mm-hmm. Raptors' best athlete, right? And yeah. so you know, as as Thad Young said, you know, take, either take the three or just attack the rim hard, straight line drive. Um, but you know, I think that is probably where he's going to become super effective as an offensive player. Like I, I could see Precious and, you know, averaging like, you know, 15, 16 points, you know, as like a fourth option, you know, the way that you could see like OG in that role right now or, or Gary. And of course that's a little different. OG obviously is a much better three point shooter and Gary is a much better three point shooter, but Precious has an ability to finish at the basket and get to the basket. And he has a strength element to how he does it. And, um, you know, I just I don't want to see that part limited. Like I want to see him continue to explore because uh you know, he's got it. He's got he's got that um and yeah, pretty good for for his debut season with the Raptors. Uh move on moving on to Malachi Flynn who didn't get a lot of chances this year, but uh you know, based on what Nick said about him and based on what uh Masai said about him, it seems like he's still very much in the mix. Yeah, it seems that way. In terms of the positives, I would go with, I, I do think he's able to direct the offense better. I, I think uh, as opposed to maybe uh, his rookie season when things could look discombobulated and hey, people but... maybe didn't know where they were supposed to be. I think he's a bit better with that. Well, um, I mean, it's, it also helps that they remember the last game of the season uh, that where they just have better players. Yeah, bro, they played. Ken Birch at center, Freddie Gillespie at power forward, and Aaron Baines at three. Yeah. They played Aaron Baines at three. So I, I I'm mean, not hey, surprised that Malachi can organize the offense was, a little better now. It was it was mission Scotty Barnes at that point. So yeah. um no, it's, they won. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, I th- I think he's improved in that regard. Uh there were positives defensively as well. Uh Nick Nurse no- noted his active hands. Uh and I think for him to show his ability as well to defend, whether it be Tyrese Maxey or James Harden in the playoffs. Yeah, he did I thought a good job. that was encouraging. Yeah. And then the number one thing uh, that I would critique would be uh, his willingness to shoot the ball. Uh, I think he has to be aggressive in that regard, the catch and shoot opportunities. Um, he has to recognize when it's his turn to shoot. Like when he gets that ball on the catch, like he's got to be ready to let it fly. That is the number one thing that I would say for him. Like he's almost too conscious of of a shooter and he's almost, you know, as a point guard, I think you can get a little apprehensive in the sense that if 
you know, all you're thinking about is setting up your teammates, you always put yourself at the bottom of the list in terms of who needs to get a shot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I think he's always someone who's conscious of, oh, it's it's not my turn in the offense. It, let me get the ball to someone else. And there's plenty of times where it is his turn and he passes it up. Yeah. No, that, I think that's, I mean, especially for this team. Um, he needs a bit of precious, basically. Yes. Yes, absolutely. You know, precious, just, yeah. If he had precious confidence, I think, you know, it would make Malachi a more effective player. And, and to me, the last thing is just like, I want to, I want to just want to say like, he was very impressive to me in, in, as a professional. Like, the fact that he stuck with it, the fact that he worked hard, like I remember, I know he was frustrated because like early in the season, I remember him coming out like an hour after the game was over um, just to take, get up extra shots on the court. Like I was literally doing the reaction podcast live and I was like, who is that? Someone's coming out to take the shots. And it was, it was Malachi and he got up an extra 30 minutes of shots just after the game. I don't think he played that game. And it's just like, I know it must have been frustrating, you know. Goran was here at the start of the season. You know, he took a lot of his minutes at the start there. Then Delano really got the first crack at that backup position and obviously Fred played 45 minutes a game so there wasn't even a backup position to be played but you know when we saw that that chance for him to finally play and it was like uh end of February start of March where he you know got 20 um, minutes against Atlanta he got 34 minutes against Brooklyn he got 43 minutes against Brooklyn he got 28 minutes against Detroit he got you know, 39 minutes against Orlando. Like, he was productive in those moments. And I think that speaks a lot to his professionalism. Like, he really stuck with mm -hmm. it. And when the opportunity came, he did kind of produce. Now, unfortunately, he got hurt right afterwards, and the timing was really poor, and then that's when they brought in Armani Brooks. And so, you know, really, it, things did not go right for Malachi this year, but um, I do respect the the, the work ethic there uh, to sort yeah. of stick with it. Um, all right, so that's probably most of, like, the actual relevant rotation players. I mean, I was going to do Thad Young or Ken Birch, but they're established vets in this league. I mean, I think we know exactly what they are, so I'm going to leave them yeah. out of it. Um, real quick, we got, like, four minutes. Uh, I want to get your thoughts right now, just look, watching the NBA playoffs and sort of how they're developing. Like, who do you see right now as the uh, as your favorites to represent the East and the West in the finals? To represent the East and the West in the finals. Uh, on the West, I think the easy answer is the Phoenix Suns. Okay. I think uh, they're just from top to bottom the best team. They seem to have every box checked, whether it's the size of DeAndre Ayton and the scoring that they can get from him. Devin Booker and Chris Paul look like they're on a mission. Mikhail Bridges is awesome. Yep. Uh, Jake Crowder, Cam Johnson, those depth pieces are giving exactly what they need to. Um, so I think they are the best team. Um, but if they play the Golden State Warriors, like that's a pick 'em series, right? Like mm, when you have that level of championship experience, um, you know, Draymond is going to cause all sorts of problems on the defensive end. Uh, and then, you know, if I to pick Phoenix, it'd be because, you know, Clay doesn't look like Clay. Yeah. Right? Uh, and so uh, it's tough for him right now. Obviously, it would be tough for anyone coming back from two years of not playing yep. uh, and dealing with the injuries that he's had. So that would be why I lean towards Phoenix right now. But mm -hmm. once those two teams, uh, if those two teams square off, uh, it would be a pick'em series. Um, out of the East, I would have to slightly lean towards boston okay i think with the milwaukee bucks um i thought in game one the strategy was solid 
it just didn't work out. I think everything that Milwaukee needed uh, going up against that strategy where they're taking so much away from Giannis and making life difficult for him, he's got to make the right decision and pass the ball. And then you have guys like Bobby Portis and Pat Connaughton and Grayson Allen knocking down shots. Like that's a situation where you just have to tip your hat. And Drew Holiday scored 25 points as well in that game one. So uh, they got exactly what they needed. Brooke Lopez protecting the interior uh, as well as he's been uh, is going to be really important. But I think that game two is kind of where you saw a bit of why uh, Chris Middleton is so important to that team, right? Yeah. And so um, over the course of seven games, do I expect Connaughton and Grayson Allen and Bobby Portis to be what they were in game one? That's where I kind of just tip the scales just a bit in favor of Boston. Yeah. And then I expect them to uh, come through uh, Miami or, you know, less likely Philly. Yeah, it's not going to be Philly. Sorry, Philly fans. It's not going to be Philly. Uh, lastly, <laughs> and more importantly, I need your Champions League prediction. The Champions League final will be taking place, uh, I believe, May 28th in mm-hmm. Paris, Liverpool versus Real Madrid. Mentality monster versus mentality monster. Yeah. Yeah. What you got? This is so tough mm-hmm. because the way Real Madrid have been going, you almost feel like they're the team of destiny at this point. Sure. Yeah. The, that it's just go, they're going to figure out a way. And um, I think Modric and Benzema, the form that they've been in uh, for this entire tournament has been incredible. So to, to cap it off with a win in the final would be great. But I do think Liverpool are on the verge of something pretty, pretty special this season. Let's I go. do think that they will get their revenge. Um, and they will close it out with a Champions League win. Let's get that quad, baby. All right, V, thank you so much. We'll call you next week. That does it for us today. I'm your host, Walu. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on Sports F590, The Fan. Thanks to my guests, Amy Otterbert and Vivek Jacob, and our board producer, Derek Brandale. I will talk to you tomorrow.